0: Good morning, Church. Uh, Our Bible reading for this morning is taken from the book of Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's once again, good to be together. And if you are new to church at home, once again, a very, very warm welcome. It really is lovely to have you here with us this morning. For me, it's uh, it's Friday morning. And uh, for you, it's Sunday morning. But we are together in spirit. And we are together to listen to God's word and to God's voice. Just a couple of things before I pray and we dig into the Word of God. First of all, let me just thank all the media team uh, who do so much work uh, to get us church at home, not only every Sunday, but during the week. So let me mention all those involved. There's Mathieu, there's Ryan, there's Proud, there's Jason, there's Brendan, there's Black, there's Bronwyn and uh, Gareth. And uh, guys, thanks so much for all that you do for us so that we can meet together uh, day by day and week by week. Secondly, I just uh, want to say that I'm so excited about the developments with uh, Chapter 3.5. You've heard from Royden and uh, Kathy and Reggie, so excited about the developments for our our church plant and then for our uh, care crisis counseling center. And we really do need to pray that God's hand will be upon that so that the kingdom may grow and the gospel may be spread far and wide. Once again, a very happy Woman's Day tomorrow. It's a long weekend. That's great. Uh, of course, here at our church, we have a Woman's Month. And uh, we're having a special focus on on all the wonderful women who are who are part of our church, who are part of our family. Um, so all the ladies out there, a very, very special and happy uh, Woman's Day. And then lastly, I'm going to pray. I've got Proud here, so Proud, thank you once again for all that you do for us uh, week by week. Proud is from Zimbabwe, and uh, I do want to especially just pray for Zimbabwe, and uh, who's going through a difficult time. And there are many who are part of our church family from Zimbabwe, and we have many, many brothers and sisters uh, in Zimbabwe, and we need to pray for God's special hand upon uh, Zimbabwe at this time. We're going to come to Colossians chapter 1 verse uh, 15 to 20 it's been read to you uh, so you may want to get out your Bible uh, or your phone or your tablet so that you can follow the the scripture with me but let's uh, bow our heads and hearts in prayer let's pray. Father we thank you for the great privilege and joy to be part of your family. We thank you for the great privilege and joy that we can sit under you and the authority of your word. And Father, we we pray for one another. You have called on us to pray for those in authority, to pray for those in need, and to pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world, and especially this morning, Lord. I do want to pray for Zimbabwe. I pray for your very special hand upon that country at this time. We pray for your intervention with all the difficulties and all the tensions. We pray, Lord, that you will have mercy upon that land. And we especially pray for our brothers and sisters. We thank you for them. We thank you for their wonderful example of being faithful to Christ in very, very difficult circumstances. And we pray, Lord, that you may continue to be close to them. And now, Lord, will you clear our minds and hearts and that we may hear your voice as we study your word. So speak to us uh, through your word and by your spirit, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, I hope you have the passage open in front of you, Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. We're spending eight weeks uh, looking at the book of Colossians. Uh, Last week, you may remember, it was somewhat introductory. We looked at chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. And uh, this week, chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, the ESV entitles the section, The Preeminence of Christ. And I think the title is absolutely spot on, The Preeminence of Christ. Just a little bit of background again from last week. Notice chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It's a letter. It, it, it's a letter written by, uh, by Paul. Uh, and uh, his disciple Timothy. He's writing to the church in Colossae, which is in modern-day uh, Turkey. Uh, Paul's writing round about 60 AD. He had never been to the church in Colossae. He had never visited them. In fact, the church was planted by a gentleman, you'll notice verse 7, called Epaphras, uh, who planted the church. He shared the gospel. He planted the church. And we read in verse 7, just as you learnt it from Epaphras, our beloved, our beloved, Our our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Now, you'll remember from last week that one of the key reasons Paul was writing this letter uh, was that they were false teachers after Epaphras had planted the church. Uh, False teachers had infiltrated the church and they were unsettling the believers. So these were false teachers, not outside the church, but inside the church and the kind of message they were giving when you read this letter the kind of message they were giving they were saying you know epaphras is a good guy but he's not really all that bright he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer problem is epaphras only gave you half the gospel he didn't give you the whole deal you're missing out you got you got uh, you you got a watered down version uh, you got a cheap imitation that's really what the false teachers were saying so imagine you you go to the mall and uh, you buy an expensive expensive original Levi jeans and you're so excited that you lose the slip and you go back home and you look at the jeans and then you discover to your horror in the back pocket a Mr. Price label apologies to Mr and Mrs Price it's a cheap imitation well, say the false teachers, you were conned by Mr.
0: Epaphras.
1: So they rattled, they unsettled. Did we receive the real gospel? Did we, did we receive the real Jesus? So the false teachers have undermined their confidence, their confidence in the gospel, their confidence in Jesus, their confidence in the message they received. So Paul, Paul writes to respond to that context. And he says there. Notice chapter one, verse five. He says the gospel you, you received is the true gospel, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Verse seven, the messenger of the gospel, he pay for us, is a faithful servant of Christ. He gave you the real thing. The result of the gospel, verse twelve, what you received has fully qualified you to share in the internal, the eternal inheritance waiting for all believers. This gospel of Jesus, verse 13, has rescued you from spiritual darkness and brought you into the kingdom of Jesus. It's the real deal. Now, now says Paul, let me tell you about the Jesus you heard about from Epaphras. Let me quickly give you a CV of this Jesus that you trusted in so that you'll know for certain that you haven't missed out. So you'll know for certain that you have the full gospel, you have the full Jesus. There's no reason to lose confidence in the Jesus that you've trusted in. So Paul gives us here, in these five verses, he gives us a very brief CV um, of the person of Jesus. So let's have a look at that CV. And let's see how wonderful this Jesus is. He is the real deal. He is the real answer to the world and the problems of our world. Five characteristics. Let's have a look at them. Number one, let's dig in. First of all, Christ is the image of God. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Elsewhere, Jesus tells us that God is spirit, and therefore we worship him in spirit and in truth. If God is spirit, it means that he can be present everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. If God is spirit, then he is invisible, he's unseen, he has no body. Not only that, we would know nothing about God unless he took the initiative, unless God revealed himself to us. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to reveal himself to us. He doesn't need to do anything. He's God. But he did. He chose to reveal himself to us in the human person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. Now, occasionally, if you have a DSTV, there'll be some or other BBC documentary which, uh, which has a documentary called perhaps The Search for God or The Quest for God. And it's a documentary in terms of looking for the deity, the divine. Well, well in a sense, it's really quite, it's, it's nonsense. Um, God has revealed himself in the flesh. We don't have to search for him. No, he's taken the initiative. He's revealed himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read all about it in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Apostle John, who was one of the 12, who was by no stretch of the imagination a dreamer or a mystic in any sense. No, he was a fisherman. He was a businessman. And in 1 John 1, referring to Jesus, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. It's extraordinary. What John is saying is that this is not a myth. It's not a fable. Jesus is not a fairy story. This is not fake news. No, I saw him. I heard him. I looked upon him. I touched him. God in the flesh, and his name is Jesus. C.S. Lewis uh, quite rightly said the greatest miracle in Christianity is not the parting of the Red Sea. It's not the miracles of Elijah or Elisha. It's not uh, Jesus calming the storm or Jesus feeding the 5,000. Of course, those are miracles, but that is not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is that God became flesh. God took on human form. It's the incarnation. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Same thing is stated. He, he, uh, he stated uh, once again in verse 19. So have a look at verse 19. He says, for in him, that's in Jesus, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's an extraordinary statement. So Jesus wasn't just a great prophet. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just the greatest human being who ever lived. No, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. So what that means is that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the image of the invisible God. The invisible God who is spirit has made himself visible by sending us Jesus. Good friend of of our church who is now with the Lord uh, is John Chapman. Uh, We always call him Chapo. And Chapo told the story that that he was once at a cocktail party and he happened to start talking to this medical doctor. And uh, this medical doctor discovered that, that he worked for the church And uh, so uh, the medical doctor said to Chapo, he said, You know, I've been searching for God for years and years. And Chapo said, Well, you must have been looking in the wrong place because he's not hiding. He's revealed himself. You can meet him as you read the record of him in the Gospels, the source documents of the Christian faith. Extraordinary. He's not hiding. We don't have to have this endless search. No, God has taken the initiative. God has revealed himself in the person of his son. And when you read the Gospels, so perhaps you are listening, watching here this morning and uh, you, you are not, uh, you, you, you're perhaps not a believer. Perhaps you, Perhaps you think you're on the fringe or you're a skeptic. Can I challenge you? Read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Read through them. Um, and, um, as you read through it, read it carefully, because if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. What Jesus loves, God loves. What Jesus hates, God hates. In, in African traditional religion, God is normally distant, unknowable, unreachable. And so there's a, there's a need for, for a mediator. And so in, uh, in African traditional religion, you'll have the veneration, the worship of ancestors who are meant to be the mediators between us and God. And Paul says, no, that is unnecessary. In fact, that is incorrect. God is not distant. God is not unknowable. God is not unreachable. No, God has revealed himself in the person of his son. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. For in Jesus, verse 19, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Second characteristic, and the first one is by far the longest, to give you hope. All right, the first characteristic, Christ is the image of God. The second one is that Christ is the creator of all things. Verse 15 again, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. Now, just a quick side road there. Notice there, the end of verse 15, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Now, that does not mean that Jesus is a created being. It does not mean that Jesus was not, and then he was born. No, the the word, the idea, the concept here is that uh, firstborn refers to a position of of authority, of, of rule, of status. So, it's the status of the firstborn. So especially in African culture, uh, the firstborn has great authority, great status, great responsibilities. That's the idea here, that, uh, that Christ has, has primary authority. Um, and then he says, Christ is the creator of all things, for by him all things were created. End of verse 16, all things were created through him. So one of the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith is that, um, that we are not here by chance or fate or luck. We are not the product of purposeless forces or the primeval slime, uh, though we do sometimes wonder about our children. Um, no, Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the source, God is the origin, God is the fountainhead of all things. In fact, you cannot be a Christian unless you believe in God the Creator. He created all things. We may have some differences as to how He created, but you cannot be a Christian if you do not believe that He's a Creator God. Now it says here, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth. And you may say to me, But wait a minute, Martin. Uh, Paul tells us here that Jesus uh, created all things, uh, visible and invisible. All things were created through him. But but Martin, the last time I read Genesis chapter 1, there wasn't a mention of Jesus. You don't find Jesus' name in Genesis 1. So what on earth is Paul saying? What is he getting at? Well, Paul is absolutely right. Remember, now listen carefully. Remember, in Genesis 1, From verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be moon and sun and stars, and it was so. And God said, let there be fish and birds and plants and trees, and it was so. So notice there, in Genesis 1, the agent of creation, the means of creation was the word word of God and God said John once again the Apostle John turn with me to John 1 uh, the gospel of John John 1 verse 1 quickly turn there John 1 verse 1 where John tells us the same principle exactly the same principle that we see in Paul yeah in Colossians John 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word So there's a real parallel there between Genesis 1 and John 1 because we read in Genesis 1, In the beginning, God. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same thing as Paul, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. All things, notice verse 3, All things were made through him, And without him was not anything made that was made. So Genesis 1, the agent of creation was the Word. And John tells us that it was through the Word, the Word which was God, that all things were made. And Paul tells us, back to Colossians 1, Verse 16, for by him all things were created. So if you look carefully at Genesis 1, it's it's uh, quite extraordinary and it's wonderful. You actually, in Genesis 1, in the first three verses, you have a almost indirect reference to all three members of the Trinity. In the first three verses of Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, verse 1, God the Father. Verse 2, and the Spirit hovered over the waters verse 3 and god said the word the son of god so there you have a you have a you have an indirect uh, reference it's not clear yet it's it's it becomes clearer as you read through the bible uh, and especially when you come to the new testament but right there in the first 3 verses of genesis You have this reference to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Word, the Son, who became flesh. So try to imagine, try to imagine the beginning of the world, the beginning of the universe. Before anything was here, anything was created, God was already there. Jesus was there. He's always existed. There's never been a time when Jesus did not exist He's the source of all things. He created all things. I think I think it takes an enormous amount of faith to believe that this complex, intricate, beautiful world in which we live is here by chance. You've got to have a lot more faith than I have to believe that it was all an accident and luck and chance. No. Right in the beginning, there was God the Father. There was God the Son. There was God the Spirit. And of course, if God created all things, it means that God owns everything. Which means he has the right to call the shots. It means that he has the right to call for your submission and my submission and your obedience and my obedience and your faith and your love and my faith and love. He's the owner. He's the creator. Wouldn't that be strange? For the creature not to thank his creator for life, for blessings, for for breath. Wouldn't it be strange for the creature not to listen to his creator, to listen to the instructions he gives us? And sadly, that's what so many people have done before you and I were Christians. That's what we did. And perhaps you watching here this morning and you have not yet submitted to the owner, to the creator. You're not listening to him. Wouldn't today be a good day to start listening to your creator who made you? So Paul says, if he's the creator of all things, surely, 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 we live in obedience and submission to him. Thirdly, so Christ is the image of God. Christ is the creator of all things. Thirdly, Christ is the purpose of all things. Notice verse 16 again. For by him all things were created. In heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And then notice, were created for him. So not only were all things created by Christ, but everything was created for Christ. That means that Christ is the purpose of all things, He's the purpose of life. Albert Einstein remarked that the modern age has perfect means but confused ends. So what what does that mean it means that we know how things work but we don't know why. We all love listening to David Attenborough when he describes the wonder the beauty the the the, the, the magic of of planet earth we all love that. But he never tells us why. Never. Paul says the purpose of all things, the why, is Christ. All things were created by him and for him. Now, of course, our culture, and we are children of our culture. Culture is our mother. And we drink from our mother. And our culture tells us that uh, that your purpose is me, my rights, my needs, my comfort, my happiness. The reason you need it is because you're worth it. That's what our culture tells us. Remember Whitney Houston uh, saying, "Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all." And tragically, she didn't get it right. You see, our culture is incapable, totally incapable of answering the great questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? What's the point of it all? Where am I going? Our culture can't answer those questions. Those are the great questions of life. The Russian author Dostoevsky said, uh, he said, every ant knows the formula of the anthill Every bee knows the formula of its beehive. They know it in their their own way, not in our way. Only humankind does not know its formula. He's right, isn't he? Paul tells us the formula is not about us. It's not about you and me. It's not about my rights, my needs, my happiness, my comfort. No, it's something greater than me. Paul tells us it's about God it's about Christ the purpose is living for Christ the purpose is living for God for God's glory remember that quote that uh, <clears throat> that I've used a couple of times tom york from the from radiohead was 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 interviewed and asked about his his ambitions And he said, "He said, ambitious for what? What for? I thought that when I got where I wanted to be, everything would be different. I'd be somewhere else. I thought it'd be all white fluffy clouds. And then I got there. And I'm still here. The interviewer asked him why he carried on making music, even though he'd already achieved great success that he'd hoped for. And Tom said, it's filling the hole. That's all anyone does. To the question, what happens to the hole? Tom paused a long time before answering. It's still there. It's still there. Well, the question is, how do you fill the hole? Well, Paul tells us when you realize it's not about you. It's about God. Everything was created by Christ and for Christ. Characteristic number, where are we? Four. Christ is the image of God. Christ is the creator of all things. Christ is the purpose of all things. And then notice in verse 17 and 18, Christ is the head of the church. 17 and he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead speaking there of the resurrection, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now you you will know that in South Africa we have thousands and thousands of, of uh, religious organizations, that call themselves churches, but they're not churches. Thousands. You see, a true church, a biblical church, is a church where Jesus is the head. And Jesus rules through his word and through his spirit. And so there are thousands of religious associations in our country. They call themselves churches, but Jesus is not the head. And he certainly doesn't rule through his word and his spirit which means it's not a true church. They may call themselves a church, but if Jesus isn't the head, and if Jesus doesn't rule through his word and his spirit, well, of course, it's not a church. It's a religious association. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we had that dreadful, awful event uh, in Zirbekom with uh, a church called the International Pentecost Holiness Church. Absolutely dreadful. There was there's fighting in the church, there's there's obviously a hundred or two hundred million rand at stake. Uh, there are there are groups in the church and there was a hostage drama. Five people were murdered, countless people were arrested. My dear friends, that is not a church. If you look at the name of that church, it has four words International Pentecost Holiness Church. It's not a church, it's not Pentecost, and it's certainly not holy. The only word I think that applies is the word international. No, a true church, a biblical church, has Christ as the head. Christ rules through his word and his spirit. So the head of the church is not not a pope, it's not a cardinal, it's not a bishop, it's not a prophet, it's not an apostle, it's not a man of God. No, the head of the church is Jesus. Jesus leads us and guides us through his spirit, through his word. That is a true church. And Christ is the head of the church. Lastly, will you notice that Christ is the source of salvation. So here yeah, we have the CV of Jesus. It's a brief CV. There's much, much more to say about Jesus. In fact, books couldn't contain the wonders and the beauty and the majesty and the, and the love and the grace of Jesus. He's the, he's the fairest of 10,000. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's our Savior, he's our Lord, and we, and we love him so much um, because he loved us first. But notice here verse 20. So there's so much to say about Jesus, but there we have uh, five things. The fifth thing that we learn about Jesus from Paul is that, is that Jesus is the source of salvation. Notice verse 20. And through him, that's through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So so just notice there, look at the verse carefully, and especially the end of the verse there, end of verse 20, making peace by the blood of his cross. It's quite clear that peace does not come, peace with God does not come through good works. Peace did not come through your religious efforts. Peace does not come by going to church. Peace does not come in and of itself. Peace does not come by prayer or fasting or giving. Those are good things, but that is not how you get peace with God. No, it's by the blood of his cross. So strictly speaking, what Paul is saying here in verse 20 is that you are not saved by Christ. You are saved by the bleeding Christ. He died in my place. He died on my behalf. He died as my substitute. So you know full well the words of Jesus on the cross when he cried out, It is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. The debt for your sin has been paid. Justice has been done. I have drunk the last drop of God's judgment and wrath on your behalf, in your place. And so we speak about the substitutionary atonement of Christ. He died in my place. Imagine that. Someone died for you. Someone died for you. I mean, can we comprehend that? We are reconciled to God. We can know God. We can live for God. I mean, what a wonderful thing that the purpose of your life doesn't have to be yourself. How miserable that is. The purpose of your life is yourself. My dear friend, that is miserable. You and your little world. No, our purpose. God has rescued us from that, that, that dreadful, miserable endeavor of living for yourself. He's rescued us so that we live for him. And we do that because he rescued us from ourselves. He rescued us from our sin. He rescued us from the wrath of God and the judgment of God by the blood of Christ. Well, let me close. If you have trusted in anything else but Christ, if you have trusted in some other Christ, who is not the Christ of Colossians one fifteen to twenty, my dear friends? You will find no peace with God. You will have no comfort. But if you have trusted in this Christ, well, he's supreme. He's preeminent. He's all you need. Nothing more. And nothing less. If you haven't trusted in him, wouldn't today be a good day to bow the knee to King Jesus and submit to him as King and Lord? Well, let's pray. Let's spend a few moments of quiet. Perhaps you want to tell the Lord where you are right now. You talk to him.
0: Father, we pray
1: again that you would forgive us and cleanse us and wash us when we have been so self-absorbed. Forgive us when we have thought that the purpose of life is me and my little world. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us when... We have devoted ourselves to our own needs, our own life, our own self-absorption. Lord, will you lift our eyes? Will you lift our vision? And will you place it on that wooden cross where Jesus died for us? And will you once again help us to receive his forgiveness, his cleansing, his washing, his spirit, his fullness, his power, his presence. Refresh us, revive us. But above all else, draw us back to yourself. Father, work amongst us, we pray. Work in us, we pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, as we go into this new week, will you help us to live for you, to know that you are the purpose, you are the point? Will you give us your spirit? We can't do it ourselves. We really can't, Lord. Will you help us to live for Christ in all that we do? And we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, thank you so, so much for being with us this morning. I hope you've been refreshed as I have uh, reading, studying God's word. Next week, God willing, uh, we'll be back in Colossians. We'll be in part three and we're going to pick up Colossians 1 from from verse 21 to verse 23. So do look through that carefully before next Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful uh, long weekend and
0: I hope you have a wonderful week.